Okay, welcome to Clear Voices. This is Matthew, and I'm Matt. And this is a different uh, type of episode from our usual ones,、um, but this is actually the first episode in a series that we're going to have within Clear Voices, and the series is called "What Is Clear." Yeah, can you? So I'm I'm kind of unfamiliar with this project because because Matt and I work at a different institution. But can you tell me a little about this series? Yeah, certainly. So、um, it's actually hosted by one of my colleagues.、Um, her name is Colleen, and、uh, you'll hear her voice soon.、Um, Colleen, in, in my institution, in my center where I work at,、um, for our English language courses,、uh, we use a CLIL approach.、Um, however, Colleen is a French language teacher, and for her courses.、Um, Well, I think、uh, you know it's, it's. I guess it's debatable whether or not she's using CLIL in practice. But、um, working in our center, she became aware of CLIL because you know my colleagues and I would talk about CLIL.、Um, but it's not something that she's familiar with as a sort of named approach to, to language teaching. So she became very interested in it and、um, heard about this、uh, CLIL Voices project and thought that she, it would be fun for her to investigate what CLIL is. Okay, so I, I see. So this, so what is CLIL is is literally what it says. It's、um, she's she's finding out what what CLIL is by by interviewing、um, other colleagues in your in your department. Yeah, the basic. The, I think the first question that she'll be asking in in her interviews is what is CLIL, and I think maybe the audience for this series、um, will be maybe more for people、um, less familiar or completely uninitiated with CLIL. Um, but I think also for、um, people who who already know what CLIL is, I think they could also get something out of it.、Um, hearing the you know the voice voices of people who teach CLIL and have a sort of you know a, a, an engagement with it and an understanding of it.、Mm, okay, and yeah, you, you mentioned that this is going to be a series. So、um, who is Colleen interviewing today? So today she's interviewing、uh, Graham, who Graham McKenzie, who is a colleague of mine. Um, uh, Graham is, has been、uh, teaching CLIL for quite a few years,、um, and both Colleen and I agreed that he'd be a good person to speak to first because, well, first of all, he's, he's, a, he's a very good teacher, and I've collaborated with him on some,、uh, you know, lesson and course design, and also he's one of the sort of more senior、um, lecturers at、uh, in my center. And what I've experienced and what I've heard from other、uh, lecturers is that he's often been the one to sort of、um, you know share materials and give advice,、uh, and so I think he has a you know a good understanding of, of what he's doing when he's、uh, approaching teaching a CLIL course. Right. Okay. I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to、uh, hearing this kind of genuine kind of conversation about about CLIL.、Mm. I think maybe the only other thing to say is that、um, Graham and I—we both、uh, teach a course.、Um, Graham is going to talk a little bit about、um, his specific context of, of teaching CLIL、um, in our center,、uh, and just to say that one of the, the main courses we teach is、um, specifically a CLIL course, but it's a course where each teacher is allowed to choose whatever content that they like. There are certainly language aims,、um, but. I think when teachers teach the course, maybe we're a bit more focused on the content. Right. Okay. I understand. Yeah. Okay. So we'll、um, pass it over to Colleen,、uh, and they'll、uh, get straight into her interview with Graham.
for today. Uh, I really don't know uh, Claire at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this um, interview will be for me to discover uh, Claire. Um, so my first question is, mm. what is Claire for you? I, I think the easiest way to understand CLIL is to think of it in terms of aims. Oh. So what are the aims of the curriculum or what are the aims of the particular lesson mm. or series of lessons? Oh. And I think if you have aims that are focused on a, an aspect of language, so the students will learn this area of language or the students will learn these uh, language skills, you know, that a language that they that's not their first language. And uh, this, if you also have aims for content, some kind of content that they will learn, then I think in simple terms, that is clear. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thank you so uh, much. But there are many different forms of it and it can be confusing uh, the way that the term CLIL is used, for example, the way that CLIL is used in schools in Spain, Holland, is very different to what we do at Sofia, right? So you need to think of it in terms of maybe hard CLIL and soft CLIL. So how much language focus is there, for example, in hard CLIL in schools, in a lot of schools in Spain and Holland places like that there's very little language support uh, and it's really just content in, a, in another language for the, the, the students uh, so I think it, it really depends on the context but basically I think CLIL should be a, have a language and content focus and aims uh, for both of these things mm -hmm. mm, Thank you very much mm -hmm. And um, could you tell me, uh, how do you apply your understanding of CLIL in your CLIL classes? Well, I, I think the first step to applying it is to think of content that is going to be interesting and relevant and motivating uh, for the students. And uh, in our case, because the students do not choose our CLIL courses that's uh, compulsory courses right uh, we have to make the content very accessible and not too uh, esoteric not too narrow uh, so uh, that's I guess the first thing to consider what kind of content is going to be appropriate and from there a uh, around that content, what language is going to be uh, useful for them to be able to understand lectures about that content, to be able to understand a, or maybe they, they need the kind of terminology around that a content uh, or depending on what you're doing in the course, the tasks you're doing in the course, they may need things like writing skills, presentation skills and so on. Uh, in our case, it's a little bit different because students are coming from AC1, Academic Communication 1, where they have learned a lot of these skills already, right? So they should be coming to the CLIL part of the course having already uh, thought, uh, having already experienced uh, how to write an 
an essay and basic academic skills like that. So I see it more as a content-focused course, but they're still brushing up these kind of academic skills that they learned in the first semester. So for me, it's, it's content. And then, I guess, depending on the content, that was how you might organise the course. Uh, because we teach 28 classes, it's quite a long time. So I like to split, split it up into modules, different parts. Okay, so part one would maybe cover something, part two, something else, part three. So there's some kind of progression also uh, through through the course. So that's another uh, consideration. And then from there, I think it's really just planning uh, lessons around uh, interesting content and manageable content for the students, mm. I think. For example, what kind of content? Uh, well, uh, let me take an example. So for my higher level students, advanced level students, what we do is we look at the concept of utopia. Oh. So the, the, wide, the kind of wider topic is kind of thinking about future. Okay, so fu- you could call it, I guess, future studies or, or something. And we use, we talk about utopia, what utopia is. We look at some examples of some uh, communities, utopian communities. And then we also look at dystopia, thinking about the bad side of utopia. And we look at some uh, films and we also read a book that is a bit dystopian. Uh, so the whole theme is uh, about thinking about the future, utopias, dystopias. Uh, and the, the final idea is to get the students to think of some a utopian idea, something that might make society uh, better. And they have to do a presentation about that. So I think that's... An example, that kind of topic is a, although there is a bit of academic learning about what utopia is and a, what a dystopia is, a, there's enough scope there for students to bring what they're interested in into the class. So even if they, they're not particularly interested in the concept of utopia or dystopia, they should be able to talk about uh, a film that they're interested in, a manga that they're interested in, or a, when they do the presentation at the end, they should bring be able to bring another maybe academic interest in. So, I mean, the, the scope is very wide. Think of a way to improve society, a utopian idea. So that could be anything. It could, For example, it could be about making a more gender-equal world. It could be about a... a eliminating environmental problems, those kind of things. So whatever students are interested in, they can bring to the course. Mm. So that's an example of one, yeah, one course. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, I would like to know what advice would you give to somebody planning to teach Clear? I, I think I would need to know more about the particular context they were teaching in to give them any specific advice. So if they were going to teach in a university, uh, even then, what, what is it? Is it an elective course? Is it a compulsory course? Uh, are they teaching in a high school? It's all the advice I would give would be completely different based on the needs of the students and the level 
of the students because then you're going to have to think more about the the kind of content and a that's going to be appropriate for the level and for the student's interest for their age uh, there's all sorts of things to consider so I don't think as maybe what's quite interesting about Quill is there is no mm-hmm. a particularly a simple or easy way to do it it, it just depends uh, who your students are so think about your students think about what line what what uh, do they need in terms of language development uh, in terms of content what would they be interested in and what would what would they be able to manage right uh, as well uh, so I and also think about whether you really need to do clip you know <laughs> I guess that's the first thing to think about is it is it really suitable is it necessary I think for first year university students who are learning English uh, it's particularly at this university where they've all studied really hard uh, to get into university so they've got a kind of knowledge base of English that's really good but they maybe haven't had so many chances to put it into practice that it's really good for our situation but whether it's good for French Mm. first year students uh, I think is a completely different question. Uh, it maybe again depends on the the level of the students, how much experience they have. Uh, for some, for complete beginners, uh, you may be looking at well, how can I make this textbook more interesting? <laughs> and maybe you can use some aspects of Clil to do that. Uh, but there may be some aspects of Clil already in the textbook as well, right? I guess the obvious thing is for French students, they're learning about the French-speaking world, right? So that's already kind of clue, right? If they're learning about the French-speaking world through French, uh, that's already clue. Sorry, I've wandered from the, <laughs> the question. So, uh, yeah, basically, I think it, it really depends uh, on the, the structure uh, as I said before, there's two types of clue: there's soft clue and hard clue. And so that I mean that also comes down to who's teaching it. So soft clue is usually people like us, language teachers. A hard clue is quite often a content teacher, so geography teacher teaching in English. Uh, so again, they have completely different uh, considerations, uh, depending on how they would. Uh, implement clue. So sorry, that's, I don't have an easy answer on that one. No, no, it's very good. <laughs> um, you have an idea of a, a clue that could be not so hard for beginners, for example? Yeah, well, I, as I said before, so I, I always think about I, there was a symposium here and there's a, there was a Spanish teacher called Jesus and he did a demonstration clue lesson and his clue lesson, was, it was really, really a very good demonstration of how clue can be used at very low beginner levels. We were all beginner Spanish and uh, he had, he was teaching us basically about the geography of South America. Uh, so we had a map of South America and a uh, we learned 
what the capital city of each country was. We learned to identify each country on the map. We maybe learned one thing that each country was famous for. Uh, so, and that was very simple, but it was also interesting because uh, it sounds like simple content, but of course, when you're given a map of South America, maybe you can't identify each country or each capital city. Uh, so that that was really uh, interesting. Uh, so I think it's we can assume that if a beginner is taking a French course, uh, an elective French course, that they have some interest in the French-speaking world. So you have the opportunity there to teach the uh, students about the French-speaking world through French, right? Uh, and that's what Jesus was doing in Spanish. So I think that's what I would do and maybe academic content would be for higher levels maybe for maybe b2 b level a maybe that's when you think about doing more well i don't know we 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 kind of do it with i think english is 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 different right so english is so even the lower level students in english have like six years experience of learning English at school, uh, at least. So they can, even if they're not confident in speaking and writing, they can deal with longer texts. Uh, maybe not complete academic texts, but they can. Uh, there's there's ways for the teacher to manage that. But um, maybe for another language, another language, Chinese, Korean, French. It might you might want to think about introducing academic content at only intermediate or higher levels, I think. But there should be enough scope for the beginners in just learning about essential things about that country or related to a French-speaking world or Spanish-speaking world. History, for example, right? basic history would be really interesting for them because they w- will not have learned those things in school right so uh, history culture I think these are uh, pop culture maybe students might be interested in that and doing some maybe comparative culture as well so a uh, you know this is popular a uh, pop culture in France at the moment and then now tell a French person about it what's popular in Japan in French. That would be a nice activity. Those those kind of things. I mean, these are the kind of things we've always done in language teaching classes. But if you have these content aims, then and as well as the language aims, and there's a real focus on the content, then I think it is uh, clear. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have another question. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any ideas about how you might teach your clear course differently in the future? Oh. Well, I th- I'm always changing it a, a little by little every year. A, but that, these are just kind of fine-tuning things. I think... I'm quite happy with my advanced course, the, the Utopia one I was telling you about. Uh, I haven't taught beginner English, not beginner, like A to B1 level CLIL courses for a while. Before I used to teach something very, 
how would you call it, very kind of accessible, like, I used to call it global issues. So, you know, I, we would, I, I didn't use the SDGs, but it was kind of like that kind of, uh, those kind of themes. So we talked about uh, migration, we talked about uh, uh, growing cities, mega cities, we talked about uh, things like that. And then the students chose uh, a topic they were interested in and researched a bit about it and did a presentation about it. Very simple. Uh, but I think I, would, I wouldn't do that again if I had that same level because I think students are... Uh, I think what's happening in high schools in Japan is they're becoming more... They're introducing more content and uh, students are learning about things like SDGs in English in high school or they're doing these kind of projects maybe kind of half in Japanese half in English so I think in universities we need to be a bit more we need to be uh, careful we don't kind of repeat that content or, or do stuff that students would think oh not SDGs again or something like that uh, so I think I would maybe choose something a bit more challenging or a bit more academic uh, for the students uh, even at a lower level uh, next time. I'm not entirely sure what I would do. I haven't thought about it in, in detail, but that would be a, an interesting uh, challenge. The interesting challenge there is uh, finding or adapting uh, texts that are going to be accessible for the, the students. But again, that's another interesting challenge. Thank you so much. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. I can't think of anything. I, I think I, I mean it's all. I think it's a. As I said before, I think it is a, a suitable methodology for, particularly for, a Japanese students of or Japanese learners of English at this university age. Because uh, I think it, it really helps to motivate the students to feel that they can learn something in English rather than just learn English. They've had, I think they've had enough of just learning English as an academic subject in itself. Uh, so, well, again, that's I'm speaking very generally, but I, I think that applies to a lot of our students here. And, uh, yeah, so and if I was learning another language I would want I think even as a beginner I would want some kind of content focus I think because uh, just learning you know the sentence structure has a, a limitation in, in terms of motivation and, and interest so it's nice to be in that zone as a learner where you almost kind of forget that you're uh, in the process of language learning right uh, so I I guess that would be the main uh, reason why CLIL might be an effective methodology. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah, I, I learned a, a lot and uh, I think now I have uh, an idea of what CLIL is. <laughs> well, I think you already did, but never mind. Mm, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome.